Alex here with the Tap Takeover Podcast, speaking with a friend of the show, Anello from Central Waters. He's representing the uh, the award-winning uh, theme to, uh, today from his uh, his display contest. Uh, Anello, uh, tell us what Great Taste of the Midwest means to you, and if you could share a, a fun... No? No? Did we run out of battery? Oh, man. Yeah, so hot. So hot. This is like uh, this is like Jim showing up late to the interview here. No one's going to start to think we're not real professional uh, podcasters. I've been thinking that for a long time, brother. (laughs) Yeah. Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. Sorry to startle you, but what you just heard was the air horn blast which signals the beginning of the great taste of the Midwest each year. Alex here in the Solid Non-Fail Studios, and I'm going to be your guide through our full coverage of this amazing, amazing event. (laughs) I cannot stress this enough. If you have not been to the great taste of the Midwest, and you're in shouting distance of our broadcast, you you need to check it out. It's the second weekend of August every single year, and if you haven't made your plans for next year, it's time to start. This is going to be part two of our full coverage of the Great Taste of the Midwest. If you haven't listened to part one, which was uh, Great Taste of the Midwest, the organizers, I really suggest that you go back and uh, give that one a listen. Uh, we sat down with Jason Walters, the uh, the chairman of the Great Taste of the Midwest, and Fred Swanson, the head brewery liaison. And these guys are just the best gentleman you could ever talk to about an event of this magnitude, of this uh, this size. They had amazing stories to share and uh, reasons to go, and you should definitely check that episode out. But what we have for you today is actual coverage of the event. We're going to be getting into all sorts of different areas, all sorts of different breweries, all sorts of different beers. We've kind of broken it down into a few different sections, so we're going to be guiding you through this. Our very first one, obviously, we're going to start with Wisconsin. Uh, Great Taste of the Midwest takes place in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, the podcast is broadcast out of Wisconsin. So we had to go with uh, with some of our, our local favorites. And we're going to start off with Friends of the Show, Eagle Park, Raised Grain, and Lakefront. Uh, if you haven't listened to those episodes, I suggest you go check them out. And then we're going to go to uh, a brewery we have not talked to yet in Madison, Working Draft. They have not been open very long, but they have a cult-like following at the moment. Then uh, on to uh, Miller Valley, which is the micro arm of the macro brewery and uh, shipwrecked which uh, is a really interesting story coming back from a big time fire a new brewmaster on board a a new old brewmaster and uh, just some fun fun stories after that we're going to go a little bit out of state. Out of state, but still in the Midwest, as, uh, as we do here on the podcast. We like to focus in on the Midwest. And so we're going to be talking with Toppling Goliath, friends of the show. We're going to be talking to them about the Morning Delight release. It was uh, perfect timing as we walked up. They just happened to be porn, and uh, we're willing to talk with us. Then right after that, another perfect timing moment, we're going to be speaking with Forager Brewing. And if you haven't tried the pudding goggles yet, uh, you're in for a treat. If you ever want to go back and listen to some shenanigans, the Michigan Beercation episode, episode three of the Tap Takeover podcast, we did uh, a nice little tasting of the beer from the livery. A real fun little brewery in Michigan. And uh, we've also got Dangerous Man up in Minnesota, also a very, very fun brewery. 
at the midpoint of this episode, we're going to be taking a little break, as we do, and uh, giving you some breaking news. We did some interviews and found some breaking news that we absolutely had to share with all of our listeners. So you're going to be listening to Mike from Microphone. You're going to be listening to Henry from Mobcraft and Anello from Central Waters talking about some of the big plans that uh, these amazing breweries have going all friends of the show, all amazing, amazing breweries. And when we come back after the breaking news portion, we're going to be coming back to our friends in the South, the uh, the Chicago breweries, the Illinois breweries. We're going to be talking with Hailstorm. Uh, we've got a couple breweries with kind of a Latin bent with uh, Five Rabbit and Cruz Blanca. We're going to be talking with another friend of the show, Goose Island, about some of the variants of the Bourbon County Stout uh, that they brought to the event and uh, some new ones that are be coming out in uh, stout season soon to be friends of the show uh, revolution we're going to be sitting down with them at some point this fall to do a uh, full coverage of their deep wood series and uh, we're going to wrap it up with off color brewing down in illinois and then we have a very very special uh, finish for you we, we like to save the best for last and uh, fred swanson is a fantastic gentleman to uh, to sit down and talk with and he kind of put together this little quarter for himself and his wife it, it just happens to be their anniversary on the weekend of great taste and he put together this beautiful little corner for himself uh, with some of his favorite breweries some of his uh, best friends that have been coming up to the great taste in the midwest for years and they just had some fantastic stories to share with us so that's going to be red eye brewing blind pig and if you listen all the way to the end it, you might even choke up you might need some kleenexes because the schlafly interview has got surprises it's a, it's a roller coaster of emotions and i suggest you listen all the way through to the end because it's going to be a lot of fun i'll be with you throughout uh, throughout the episode and let's get started Alex, Andy, and uh, Jim here at the amazing Great Taste of the Midwest, covering the entire event. We're going to have a lot of fun audio, <laughs> a lot of fun video for you guys. Let's just talk uh, in general about uh, what we've experienced so far and what our uh, listeners and our viewers have to look forward to. There's a reason this is one of the most exclusive beer festivals in the country. Even though there are over 6,000 tickets available, this is bar none best beer festival to be had because they support the brewers themselves. Yeah, and I, I think the brewers really appreciate that. That's been a common theme in a lot of the interviews that we've done today. The brewers talk about how easy it is. Their kegs are dropped off for them. The ice is taken care of. It's just, it's a very easy experience. And that's how they get so many brewers to show up. Andy, what what have been some of your favorite moments of this fest so far? Uh, I think so far it was uh, just happening to be in line at Three Floyds when uh, they tapped Chemtrail Mix about 10 people before us. That was uh, a win all, all the way around. Perfect timing. It's, I mean, great taste is just a special special time in August for, for us here at the Tap Takeover Podcast, and uh, hope you enjoy the videos. Well, we just want to thank uh, Fred and Jason again for sitting down with us and doing that little bit of a preview episode. Uh, to all the volunteers, the, the army of volunteers that have put this festival together, we just want to thank everybody and to the brewers. Uh, cheers, guys. Let's uh, let's go get some more beers. All right. Cheers. 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 
Alex here from the Tap Takeover Podcast, speaking with Max from uh, Eagle Park. How are you doing going today? On, man, I'm great. How are you? All right, doing great. Uh, it's beer Christmas, so we're really happy to be here. Uh, tell us a, a little bit uh, for folks who don't know, uh, who didn't listen to our episode together. Uh, what can they find at the new space in your brewery? Well, the new space, uh, a lot more, a lot more beer. Uh, we have 20 lines, and we didn't think we'd fill them all as fast, but we have pretty much 17, 18 lines at all times. Uh, we basically expanded all of the beers that we've done in our last space. So the Milkshake series expanded. A lot of the Fruited Berliners we've expanded. Basically, Jack has just really honed in the system, and he's really just grooving on a lot of the new styles that we've been doing. Uh, a lot of them are a must-come check out. Yeah, I've been loving that new uh, Black Courant uh, Berliner Weiss you guys did, the Pink Houses. Pink Houses. Man, that's like sec- second or third time we brewed it, and uh, it gets better every time. So that's it's going to stick around. We'll probably be brewing that one pretty often. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we, we come by. We're uh, here today, too. We come by the brewery quite often often because we live in Milwaukee. You guys are brewing there. But uh, for folks who uh, are out of town, uh, tell them a little bit about the brewery and uh, what kind of stuff you guys get into. We're big We're big musicians. We love rock and roll. Yeah. We like to We like to show that inside of our tap room. We got band posters everywhere. That's kind of pretty much the vibe of the place. Uh, we brew beer like we play music. It's uh, We're kind of fearless on both ends. We like to take risks and Jack's really good. Our head brewer, my brother, um, and he's just been absolutely killing it this year. A few beers I even went, really? And uh, they've turned out incredible. So uh, I think the two go hand in hand with what we do. Amazing day here at, uh, at Great Taste in the Midwest. Absolutely. So this is your first year here pouring. Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us what it's like to get in for the first time to this amazing event. Well, when we got the email that said we got in, we it's like it's like getting the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, man. We were so, we were so excited because um, we tried to get in last year, it didn't get in, but this year it happened, and this is the first time we've been here. And I'm just walking around going, "Good lord, like this this is incredible. This is this is mecca. This is where we should be." So uh, tell us about the experience. Six hundred plus volunteers, an army of volunteers, putting this thing on. How easy do they make it for you? It guys? is the best Rand Festival ever. When I found out the kegs would be at our booth and I didn't have to move them myself, my I just I wanted to hug every volunteer that walked by. It's <laughs> like you all need hugs. Come here, come here. But seriously, it is the best run festival that I've ever we've ever been part of in our right. short careers. But well, hey, I appreciate you taking a little time uh, during the setup portion here to talk with us. And, Absolutely, uh, we'll be by to try some beer in a bit. Cheers, man. All right, cheers. Thank you. We're here with Scott from Ray's Grain Brewing. Uh, at the Great Taste of the Midwest. Scott, this is your first year. How excited are you? Oh, it's going to be a great great uh, experience for us as a brewery, getting our beer out to more people that haven't had a chance to try our stuff before. It's going to be a lot of fun trying other people's beers. So, yeah, very excited about it. Yeah, so you were one of our very first interviews. You've had a tremendous amount of growth since we first uh, promoted you. Tell us about your expansion and how is that going? Expansion's going well. It's been uh, a whirlwind, as you can imagine. But the new brew house, uh, now we have a 20-barrel brew house. We have a bunch of 20-barrel fermenters, 60-barrel fermenters. Allows us to produce a lot more beer at one shot, but also allows us to stay creative with the 20-barrel fermenters. So um, it's been great. Uh, it's, the automation's really nice for reproducibility of our beers. And the transfer of the flavor's been fantastic. So any plans to move the tap room? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, no, no, I mean, there's no question we are building a new tap room. No no question about it. Uh, we will have a kitchen. Uh, we'll have a lot more square footage. Tried to design something that has a lot of connectivity to the brewery. We'll have three giant garage doors that go up off a bar rail that open up so the brewery's open air to everybody that's in the uh, uh, event space. So uh, very excited about it. Looking, you know, fingers crossed to be open by uh, Thanksgiving. Like to have our Black Friday there if we can. Uh, that's really fantastic. You guys are brewing some fantastic beers. And what are you pouring here at the Great Taste today? Today we're pouring our, uh, our black walnut coffee stout, 
our Naked Threesome, the uh, Hazy or Juicy IPA, and our, and our mainstay, Paradox. And if any of our listeners wanted to come by and try some of your beers at your tap room, where can they find you? We're at 2244 West Blue Mound Road. It's like I tell everybody, it's uh, super easy to get to and really hard to find. So, uh, <laughs> Well, Scott, uh, have a great taste. Cheers. Sante, as we say. Well, this is something we've been wanting to be in for the last few years. So to finally get an opportunity to be here with some of the best breweries in the country is, is an honor for us. Looking forward to getting more people to try our beer as well as having the opportunity to try a bunch of beer from uh, other great breweries around the country. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Cheers. Jim Anderson with the Tap Takeover podcast, and we're here with Carrie, the face of Lakefront, honestly, at this point. Uh, deference to Russ and Jim, uh, you really are what Lakefront means to the world. So we're here at the Great Taste of the Midwest, and every year Lakefront's a special destination uh, because of the amazing beers that you guys are making. What are you pouring today? Uh, we got a couple of really fun ones. We've got our time tapping that's going to start in about like two minutes here of our Black Friday Vintage Triple X Reserve. So it's a blend of 2014, 15, 16 Bourbon Barrel Age Imperial Stouts. Super fun beer. And then in uh, one more hour from now, we've got our 30th anniversary Bourbon Barrel Age Icebox that we're tapping. But we got all kinds of fun stuff. The hop, for the Hopheads, we've got our double IPA series. Uh, the Polk Instant's a new one made with cashmere and uh, Idaho 7 hops. we got our brand new Shop Azaka. It's debuting here today. Uh, the My Turn series is always a crowd favorite. Uh, brand Barrel Age Imperial Pumpkin. So we we got everything from light to dark to barrel age and everything in between and a couple fun things in the Cascale tents as well. Uh, Lakefront's been a institution here at Great Taste. Uh, but as a brewery, how special is Great Taste to you guys? This between this and Great American Beer Festival, this is what we work for all year to showcase our beers. This is such a fun festival because of just the sheer size. You're in beautiful Olin Park under the oak trees. So this is the one that all the brewers get excited for. We brew a special collaboration beer with Great Lakes the last three years for this fest. That's how excited our brew staff, our sales staff, our marketing guys are about this fest. It's the it's the best one. Uh, GABF is awesome too, but great taste. I mean, outdoors, beautiful sunshine. Can't beat it. And, and some of the rarest bears that you can ever get. So folks, uh, come on down to Lakefront, uh, especially Black Friday. Uh, there's nothing better in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, talking to us. All right. Thanks, Kerry. Oh, as always, cheers. Cheers. Alex here from uh, Tap Takeover Podcast, and I'm speaking with uh, Jesse Brookstein from Work and Draft Beer Co. This is actually our rookie appearance, as they call it around here, and we just opened on March 5th of 2018. So. Awesome. So yeah. uh, what? tell us uh, first impressions of the fest. What, uh, what are you enjoying so far? I love it. I think it's really well organized. Like everyone's behind the scenes is really dedicated and passionate about it. I think they did an excellent job curating who was going to be here, uh, where they were positioned. I think everyone has the ability to like set up their tents in a really unique way and have good viewing for all the patrons here, and it's it's just an awesome event. So as a young brewery, you guys have a really uh, strong following. Tell our listeners who uh, may not be familiar what uh, what they can expect walking in for the first time. Uh, basically, whenever we get folks in for the first time, we kind of describe it as uh, we really focus on traditional lagers, really uh, old school in that sense, but then we do a lot of uh, hop-forward ales. So we'll typically have five hoppy offerings at any given time. We'll do hazy. We've done a milkshake. We also focus on 
Brewed IPA. We're actually the first uh, brewery in the state to do a Brewed IPA, and it's one of our best sellers. One of my favorites. I love that beer a lot. Um, and then a lot of like obscure beers as well. Dark Mild, um, an ESB we opened with. So we really focus on the traditional, and we really focus on the modern, what's up to speed nowadays too. So yeah. Uh, so tell us, uh, as, as your first time here, uh, first impressions with the volunteers, the, the army of volunteers that they have. What, what does it mean to, to brewers uh, coming in for the first time? It is an army, man, and it's awesome. An event of this size, if it's not run well, can be an utter disaster. I think the way that they've laid it out, using so much of the park, such a great expanse of the park, and putting all the tents up the way they have. As soon as we walked in, we knew right where we needed to go. The way they have the vendor booths all set up, the brewer booths all set up, it's just so well done. The way they distributed the ice, I'm really impressed with everything, honestly. Awesome. So, yeah. All right, well, cheers. We'll uh, definitely double back and grab some beer. Please do, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. Cool, perfect. Thanks. This is Jim from the Tap Takeover Podcast. We're here at the Lining Kugels booth and with our friend of the show, Kane Escobar from Miller Valley Brewing. Kane, what are you pouring today? Uh, specifically, we have most of all the Lining's brands, you know, your Oktoberfest, Sunset Wheat, Honey Vice, Shandy. We also had a couple special ones from Miller Valley. I got a High Heat, which is one we did with the Milwaukee Brewers. If I could, I would, our West Coast Style IPA, and then Frankenberry, which is our Chocolate Raspberry Porter. Kane, as a brewer, what makes Great Taste of the Midwest special to you? Well, my personal favorite, it's always a Lovely weathered weekend on great taste, um, but really the people. I mean, we get we get some awesome patrons out here that really love love their beer and they just care about it. So good personalities, good uh, good atmosphere. It's just it's a good time. All right, well, thanks, Kane. Always appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Jim at the Tap Takeover Podcast, continuing here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. Uh, we've got a special guest here with Shipwreck Brew Pub from Egg Harbor up in Door County. Now, you've had a challenging last year. Why don't you tell, the, tell us about that? Okay. Um, well, basically, I believe it was last August, uh, Shipwrecked, uh, well, pretty much burned to the ground um, after having been in business since 1997 and after having been um, an active running pub and in, I believe, since the late 1800s. So a lot of history in that building. Um, I worked there 10 years ago. That's how I got my start in brewing before I moved uh, moved on to North Carolina and worked for several breweries there. I'm now returning as the head brewer for the new phase. Pretty miraculous rebuild. Uh, no one thought we'd be open for at least two years. From a fire in August, we opened in early June, essentially less than one year later. It's been, it was a blessing and a curse, as they say. It was uh, kind of a thing where the building never was really meant to be a brewery. It was constantly retrofitted to fit the needs of a brewery. Uh, it was tremendously heartbreaking to have all that history lost, and we are now rising up kind of bigger and better than ever. We have a fantastic brand new facility that has all the room that we require to do what we do. Still have the same brew system. <laughs> the brew system did not die. It survived the fire. Uh, that part of the building was kind of un unaffected, but we're bringing the beer program back hard. We're, we're going to have a lot of new beers coming on deck and trying to keep the uh, the old flagship staples really clean and really well made and really consistent for everybody who's always loved those beers. So I'm stepping into that role and bringing kind of a whole new 2.0 
uh, version to, to their menu. Um, the Great Taste of the Midwest has, as far as I know, Shipwreck, I went to it in my first year at Shipwreck, which was 10 years ago, and I don't know exactly when they started doing it, because I don't know what year the Great Taste started. Oh, it's been over 30 years? Okay. I, I'm from California, so <laughs> I lived in Madison for a long time, and it was my local beer festival. Uh, it was always my favorite beer festival. It's one of my favorite beer festivals in the country. Too many great stories. <laughs> I think maybe the craziest thing I've ever seen here is I saw a girl get naked and jump in the lake, which, you know, it's bound to happen, right? Uh, I think that that might have been one of the standout uh, standout uh, moments for me. But other, other than that, just a lot of really great beers, a lot of really great friends. Um, got to know a lot of really great people in the brewing community in the Midwest. Part of our tremendous hurry to get back in action brewing beer was to absolutely make sure that we made the deadline for the great taste of the Midwest because I was not going to not be a part of this this year. We're not going to break that tradition. So, and, and that just goes to show how it, incredibly special that the great taste of the Midwest is and how incredible it is for these brewers. So, cheers. Always fun to check in with our friends from around Wisconsin and uh, hopefully some uh, some friends in the making. Great connections to be made at the Great Taste of the Midwest. And uh, we just had a blast meeting all kinds of new people, seeing some familiar faces. Uh, that, that's part of the event. That's part of the fun. We just want to encourage everybody to uh, look for those tickets next year. It's a limited event, but if you can't make it out to the day of, you're always welcome to come on out to the pre-Great Taste on Friday. There's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun beers in town. Uh, there might be six plus events who knows it, it gets bigger every year so let's check in with some out-of-state breweries in this next portion of our interviews we're going to be sitting down with toppling goliath in decorah iowa forager brewing in minnesota the livery in michigan and dangerous man also up in minnesota Alex here with the Tap Takeover Podcast, talking with uh, friends of the show, Clark and Mike from Toppling Goliath. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing great. Happy Everybody here. All right, so uh, tell us about this event. What, what does it mean to Toppling Goliath to be here uh, year after year pouring this, these amazing beers? You know, the, the great taste is something that we've personally been a part of. I know I've been coming since 2007. It's just a great time to get out and drink a bunch of beers and, and see the best of what the Midwest has to offer. It's, it's honestly my, my favorite event to go to. No, I couldn't agree more for our company and for us personally I'd say it's a marquee event we absolutely love the town of Madison the people that put this together are amazing the camaraderie we all have together and luckily today the beautiful weather in a park setting we're speaking to you guys a couple weeks away from your uh, your morning delight release uh, it's gonna be the first morning delight release from the new facility how, how has that move been how is it uh, moving into the bigger the bigger space it's been great on the new brew house uh, we have so much more control over every every little process I just I'm more more and more excited by it every single day that in our new canning line uh, 250 cans per minute actually there there's some uh, we really designed the brew house to help us make beers like morning delight and all that means is more barrel aged beers and more morning delight for people in the future so we're excited about that yeah absolutely and the exciting thing also is we designed our tap room not for our daily needs but for events like this so now when we get a big crowd you don't have to worry about feeling crowded 
we've, we've got the space and we've got the system to make sure that your day is an experience that we hope will be as good as the liquid. Can you uh, tell us what you're pouring today? I'm uh, sipping on a little morning delight, but uh, what else do you have for everybody? So we've got King Sue, Fire Skulls, and Money. We've got three different variants of turmoil that'll be available today. That'll be cinnamon, vanilla, that'll be s'mores. Uh, we all also have uh, turmoil with Ethiopian coffee which is an exciting blend of coffee that we got from Mostra out of, out of California. Of course, it's, a, it's the yearly debut of Morning Delight. We first debuted this at this festival quite a few years back now, and just the support and reception that we continue to get out of it just makes us even more excited to debut it every year at The Great Taste. So we've also got King Sue, Pseudo Sue, Pompeii, Dorothy's. Just, just our fun brands. Just, it's going to make the day very memorable. It sounds like a full lineup. You guys have been coming to Great Taste of the Midwest for a long time. Uh, can you share with us a, a quick little memory, a favorite, uh, favorite occurrence that's happened here? I just really love that that first year where we finally were able to join the festival and we got to show off uh, pseudo Sue to the world and Morning Delight. We didn't know what what to expect in terms of a reception, but uh, we were just welcomed by everybody in the Midwest, and that's made us feel pretty excited to come back each year. Yeah, for me, it's always the people. It's just such an honor to get to come here and serve our beer to these people that want to make a beeline over to try what we're up to. Morning Delight has been a mainstay. We always release it at this time of the year. First time we pour it to the public at a fest is always at the Great Taste. So it's it's always an honor to see those people and getting to know the faces over the years. It's awesome. It's old friends. Well, hey, thanks for uh, sharing some time and cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers. This is Andy here from the Tap Takeover Podcast with Austin from Forager Brewery at Great Taste of the Midwest. So Austin, tell us all about Forager. You guys are the hot, hot new guys on the block, right? Well, uh, according to the internet, I guess maybe that's happening. Um, It's nice of people to say, but yeah, we're a brew pub in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, We kind of focus on wild sour beers, IPAs, and barrel-aged stouts, and then we also have a lot of food-friendly beers for our tap room. Uh, We've been open for just under three years right now and just super excited to uh, be at our third great taste. Uh, We are here our first year, and it's a a beautiful festival. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're pouring today? Uh, Yeah, so we have... Uh, Pudding Goggles, which is a beer that, uh, again, the internet seems to be fairly excited about. It's an imperial porter aged on coconut, cinnamon, cocoa nibs, and vanilla beans. Uh, Comes in about 10.5%. Super rich, thick, kind of like pudding. Uh, We also have a kettle sour beer. Um, It is called Gummies Make Us Likeable. In this particular batch, we have pink dragon fruit and passion fruit in there. Uh, Super nice, easy drinking beer for this hot summer day. And then we brought a double IPA hazy beer uh, with Denali, Equinot, and Mosaic called Rent-A-Hop, and uh, we also have some water on tap if anybody needs some of that, too. So, I think, I think yeah. people are going to be needing a lot of that today to <laughs> right. go out the beer. So uh, tell our listeners what they can expect uh, when they walk into your tap room for the first time to visit. Uh, they can walk into our tap room and instantly kind of be greeted by the history of Rochester. We built the whole thing with our staff with relics from old places in town. Uh, so old businesses that had uh, decided to close, um, old barn wood that we tore down ourselves and reconstructed into the design. Uh, so pretty much everything was like in Rochester before, and we were really lucky to know some people who are willing to give that to us. Uh, you're going to be greeted by super friendly staff. We have a full-on uh, restaurant. We've got wood-fired pizzas and then kind of a full menu with rotating seasonal local fare. And then uh, our tap list also changes constantly. So uh, we're basically just a, a nice community-based brew pub. Uh, we don't distribute uh, beer because we can't do that in Minnesota, but we do have crowlers to go. Uh, so you can take our beers to go with you. Austin, today, your third year at Great Taste. What are some of your favorite memories and what does Great Taste of the Midwest mean to you? Oh man, Great Taste is my favorite beer festival. I'm a 
I grew up here in Madison, um, so it's great to come back to my hometown and see all these old friends and people and just the explosion of craft beer. Uh, my first year was 2008 uh, that I did this. I've been here every year since, and it was always my dream to serve beer at this festival. So we've been doing it for three years. And honestly, like my favorite things about uh, the great taste are just like the community, the wonderful people. There's never any sort of argumentation here. It's just a beautiful venue uh, overlooking Lake Monona and the Monona Terrace. Um, Madison just pulls out all the stops for this festival. People have such a positive attitude, and of course, people bring their best beers to this as well. So you just can't go wrong. You're like you don't want to miss this festival if you like craft beer. Thank you very much, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Cheers. Jim, back here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. We're here with the livery, and we've got uh, Simon Rusk. I'm the head brewer and the owner of the livery. Uh, just a fantastic brewery out there in Michigan. Really doing some fantastic small batch stuff. But uh, uh, let's talk about what you're pouring today here at the Great Taste of Midwest, and what makes it special for you. Absolutely. I, I mean, I just, I really love this festival. We've been coming here for the last three years. My Myself. Uh, the livery fortunately has been invited many many years um, and we are celebrating our 13th anniversary here in just a couple of days uh, here at, on the 17th and 18th uh, in Benton Harbor but I mean the appreciation for beer here uh, the attention to detail by the by the volunteers it, it's one of the greatest festivals probably on the planet in my opinion I love it here we will be back every time they ask us so it's awesome. Um, we brought some great beers. We always try to bring some really tasty stuff. We know the, the people up here appreciate lager beers, so we usually bring a couple lagers. We brought our, our Ludicrous Speed, our Schwartz beer, which uh, is a beautiful, like, nice coffee-flavored lager beer. Um, and we also brought our Hellas Lager, which is one of my per personal favorites. Um, just really bright, German, crisp but soft, and, and very flavorful beer. And then we brought a Michigan uh, hopped uh, double India red ale, uh, our venerable dragon. Uh, it's hopped with Michigan grown Chinook. Got some great uh, pine and pineapple flavors. Um, and it's grown just a few miles from our brewery. Uh, we work with Hophead Farms there, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, they do a great job of processing and turn out some amazing hops, uh, which we also use in our flagship IPA, which we didn't bring today, but uh, we use locally grown hops in that beer as well. Anyway, so that kind of brings us on to like the special beers that we brought today. We bought our Mayo Noir, uh, which is our sour oak-aged beer to guard. Spends about nine months on red raspberries and then finishes off. Oh, and that's after its initial souring for about nine months in casks. And then it finishes off on black raspberries. And it is just an outstanding, beautiful beer that's just packed full of flavor. I mean, black raspberries are the, one of the most incredible fruits in the world, in my opinion. Uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful beer. And then we brought our Big Bottom, which is our Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, Love Pump is the base beer. Um, and we do the full adjunct treatment of espresso, cocoa nibs, vanilla, cinnamon, and maple. And it's just an explosion of flavor in your mouth. Um, just really satisfying adjunct stout. Um, so, you know, we, oh, I 
forgot about Lotus, which is our uh, our extra pale ale uh, that we do with Citra Mosaic. Uh, we brewed it actually uh, to celebrate the uh, Krasel Art Center, which is in our sister city of St. Joseph, uh, for their annual art fair two years ago, and it has quickly climbed to our number one spot on our tap list. Um, it's just an incredibly refreshing session-style ale, and it just, you know, it's crushing. So, thanks so much. Well, you know, it's really fantastic. Uh, also, you have a, I would say, an unusual tap room, right? So, if our listeners want to come find you, where are you located, and what can they expect when they come to your unique tap room? Absolutely, um, we do have a unique tap room. It's a it's a hundred plus year old building that originally was a horse livery, which was a place where they kind of took care of your animals while you were traveling by train, and there was a train station nearby. Um, but we have converted that space into a beautiful area where we do live music on Friday and Saturday nights, and we have a really great pizza kitchen where we focus on uh, pizzas, obviously but sandwiches and salads as well, um, utilizing as many local ingredients as we possibly can. We have a really nice time. We have a pet-friendly beer garden, so if you want to bring your dog along, you can do that. Um, it's just a great, great, relaxed atmosphere. We do bar service, um, so you're kind of on your own when you're there, but most people really appreciate that peace and quiet um, and the ability to really sit down and have a conversation uh, without being interrupted by a server. So it's a, it's a great place. Please come and visit us anytime. We would love to have you. All right, well, cheers and have a great taste. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, this is Jim from the Tap Takeover Podcast here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. We're here with Lee and Alexander from the Dangerous Man Brewing Company. Uh, where are you guys from? Uh, we're up in Minneapolis. Excellent. So what does Great Taste mean to you guys, and uh, what are you pouring today? I mean, for us, I think Great Taste is just a super fun uh festival to come to to see a bunch of our friends that we don't necessarily get to see on the regular and try a bunch of super cool good beer that uh, we can't necessarily get in Minneapolis and be able to share some cool beer that people can't get outside of Minneapolis. Yeah, we're, <laughs> well, uh, we're born in a wide variety of stuff. We've got um, a couple different IPAs like a milkshake IPA, a brewed IPA, some barrel aged stuff, a barrel aged Imperial Goza with lime and a barrel aged chocolate milk stout as well as I think like seven other beers. We've been doing a lot of collabs this summer. And so we brought three of those, one with Ferris Day, one with Earthrider, uh, and one with Barrel Theory. Yeah. That's fantastic. So uh, what are you guys known for? Uh, we're kind of known for our peanut butter porter, uh, which we also brought. Uh, it's kind of our bread and butter. It's the most popular beer that we make. It's won a best porter in the state, I think, the last three years in Minnesota. So, All right. Well, thanks again. This is Jim from the Tap Takeover Podcast. A great taste. Cheers. 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 All right, what a fun portion of our interview series here. And that's part of the fun of these beer festivals. You get to meet brewers from all over the country, all over the Midwest. You know, it would take hours to drive to their breweries, but they've done the driving for you. And they've brought the beer with them. So you get to try it and get to have a conversation with these these incredible individuals. And up next, we've got the breaking news portion of our, our interview series. We're going to be talking with Microphone, Mobcraft, and Central Waters, all friends of the show. All have some uh, some fun little beer news, some fun little nuggets that they, they dropped for us, and uh, we wanted to put them together and right in the middle of the episode for you guys so you can get a, a little bit of uh, breaking news going on. And speaking of breaking news, I had considered doing an easily accessible beer out of uh, Jim and Andy's playbook when they normally put together the beer news, but I 
didn't think that quite fit with the uh, the theme of the Great Taste of the Midwest. Great Taste of the Midwest people bring their best beers and uh, their special release stuff, their their real rare stuff. And so uh, I just happened to be at a special release last weekend uh, in town in Decorah, Iowa, for the Morning Delight, and also in town for some special releases at Pulpit Rock. And that's kind of uh, the breaking news I've got for you from the podcast is that uh, in a couple of weeks we're going to be airing that interview that we did with the head brewers at pulpit rock so fun fun time meeting those guys at this event the great taste of the midwest which led into the next event and that's what we like to do on the podcast we like to do the traveling for you guys bring back those stories and i think we got some fun ones for you so without any further ado i think it is time for some beer news Alex here with the Tap Takeover Podcast and friend of the show, Mike from Microphone. Mike, what does this day, this uh, Christmas in, uh, in August mean to you guys? Literally, I just got goosebumps as you said that. Like, it, you can see it. It's, <laughs> this, is, this, is one of those, this is one of those days that you look forward to on the calendar every year. Uh, you know, com- coming back up to Madison where I went to college and spent several years of my life, I got a deep affinity to this city. Um, and being able to be part of this fest, now we have our own table for the first year. It's incredibly exciting for us. Um, and yeah, we're just excited taking all the, the brewers that are here. We had a great party yesterday at Funk Factory. Pour some great beer today, hopefully, and go through that, and then see where the night takes us. But yeah, we, I love Madison. I'll never not love Madison. I wish I could open my second location here, but you know, we got to focus back at Elk Grove Village, get through that expansion first, and then who knows, maybe one day we'll be back up here at the brewery. Yeah, uh, speaking of which, uh, tell us a little bit about that expansion. When did you guys kind of make the decision to go a little bigger, and uh, how was uh, how's the work going so far? You know, when we first got our space, we had 4,000 square feet. I never thought that'd be more than enough space, but it, it quickly filled up, and every day we have to move stuff around and play Tetris just to get our day started. So finally, my neighbor next to me, he his company got bought out, so the space opened up, and I was like, I need to take that space. Yes. And so it's another 4,000 square feet. We're going to do some um, a different kind of tasting room for private event space, for overflow, our special bottle releases, can releases. Um, and then in the back, speaking of cans, we'll be dedicated to all the packaging. So we are getting a candy line. Candy line's coming. Sorry, guys, it took so long. It just needs space <laughs> and money. But yeah, we will be bringing in a t- Twin Monkeys candy line, 16-ounce uh, cans. And as soon as that, as soon as the whole build-out's complete and the line's in, we're going to get ripping on that. And nice. Everything that you guys have been accustomed to between Mike Check and DDH, IPA, BCBD, everything in between. Even we're going to put um, regular bean spirit in four-pack cans. Oh, wow. So wow. we're going to try to get everything in there and base cannon and teleport massive we're going to go into cans with. So nice. pretty much the only thing that will be back in bottles will be the barrel edge stuff in 12s and then the big stouts in 750s. Nice. Breaking news for the podcast. <laughs> uh, so tell us about what uh, you guys are pouring today. I heard uh, I heard some rumors about a barrel-aged uh, coffee ground. That is true. So this being our first year that we have our own table, we were able to bring a lot more beer. Mm-hmm. So we got eight different beers on today. Barrel Age Velvet Coffee Ground, we just packaged and released the tasting room on Thursday. It is loaded with coffee. I mean, honestly, the other day, I, while we were packaging, I had a few, and I did not sleep that night. So <laughs> tread lightly, guys. It's got, it's got caffeine all day. Nice. Um, but then we got Barrel Age Toffee Spoken Lies, so that's the cinnamon, um, vanilla, and chocolate. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the Chicken and Waffles beer. So Excited I, to try well, that Yeah, one. it's fun, man. It's a great <laughs> beer. I know, I know it really kind of made some rumbles in the in the game but we had fun making it and it was inspired by our trip to Nashville and trying to make a hot chicken beer and we I think we really nailed it. Nice. It's got everything involved in it and then we've got um, Imperial Smells Like Bean Spirit Hazelnut. We've got Katie Cherry and Life by the Drop for our two sour offerings. We've got uh, Special Sauce Laurel and then say uh So kind of our broad spectrum of beers. Well I appreciate you taking a minute to uh, talk with us as we're getting set up here but uh, we will definitely be by to try some of those beers. Anytime. Awesome. Cheers, Great guys. To Thank you. Guys. 
is Jim from the Tap Takeover Podcast here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. We're here at Mob Craft Brewing. Henry, you have some breaking news. Would you like the news or the breaking news? The breaking, the breaking news. Okay, so we are uh, launching a new series of beers called Inspired By. And this is a very, very nerdy, super thick, super viscous imperial stout. And then we're going inspirations from all the previous beers we've made. So we've decided to make an inspired by solid non-fail stout, bourbon barrel aged imperial version of this lovely, lovely like syrupy coffee molassesy thing. So look for that in like 2020 when it finally gets done aging. That was my breaking news to you, Jim. Well, that is fantastic news, Henry, that I think all our listeners are going to really look forward to. So let's talk about great taste. Uh, how many years have you been here, and what makes it special for you as a brewer? So, Great Taste is probably the best beer festival that there is. My favorite part about it is it's put on by beer people for beer people. So, a lot of beer festivals are corporate. They put them on to make money. This is put on by the Madison Home Brewers and Tasters Guild, which is a group of people that are just all passionate about beer. So, normally at a beer festival, the brewery gets about 200 bucks to bring their beer there. Send five people for all day on a Saturday, right? That means people get paid like $3 an hour. When you come to this festival, it's all about no profits. Everything goes back to the brewers, and that's what keeps everybody coming back, bringing special beers, rare beers. There's no caps of how much or what dollar amount of beer you can bring. It's just come bring your best stuff. So as far as a beer festival that has everything that's super fun and people really enjoy it, this is the one to go to. We have been here since 2013, the year that we opened. Um, but this is the first year that I actually got a beer. Oh, no, I went to the Bloody Mary tent. This is the first year I've ever done that. They got this lovely Bloody Mary cart that rides around if you get here at about 10.30. So what are you pouring here today at the Great Taste? We brought out all the stops. We wanted to bring something from every venue of Mobcraft. So on the light and easy side, we brought Oddball Kolsch, 4.5%, just beer that tastes like beer. Because when you're at this festival, one of the things I really like to do is try Kolsch's and Pilsner's. Just try what the brewery can do to make a nice, easy-going beer. But then we didn't do that only. We brought some barrel-aged beers, our Senor Bob Tequila Barrel-Aged Imperial Cream Ale. We brought Sour on the Vine, which is a grape, must, and barley beer. We aged it in oak barrels for about a year. We brought Sour Support, Raspberry Ginger Sour. We brought Sour Cherry Candy Sour, about 800 pounds of cherries in a uh, sour ale fermented for about four months. And then we brought Batshit Crazy just because that beer is awesome. And then for the people that like the hops, we brought uh, Hoppy Hoppy Pants Pants, double IPA, batting in at 9.8%. Well, fantastic as always, Henry. We really appreciate it. And looks like we got something for our listeners to look forward to. You most certainly do. And sorry, I've been blabbering. But enjoy the great taste. Cheers. Cheers to you. Alex here from the Tap Takeover podcast, speaking with a friend of the show, Anello from Sensor Waters, and uh, I think congratulations are in order. I heard you guys won the uh, the display contest this year. Finally, after so many years, grand champion, best table display. We're so, uh, super yeah. proud of that. So, what does that mean to you guys? I mean, in terms of the festival, in terms of the camaraderie that uh, all of the breweries show towards each other, the contest really does stand uh, alone, does not? Oh, it's so much fun. That's why we have the corner booth every year. And, you know, and like over the years, we've done so many different things. One year, we set up an actual bowling alley. You know, I mean, we brought a bowling alley in pieces and set it up, and you it was bowling for charity. You know, like we had bowling <laughs> shirts on, we had a lounge set up, and we didn't win. I was like, what the hell? How 
how did we not win? We had a bowling alley. So uh, finally, finally, we win. So uh, tell us about the display. Tell us uh, what you guys went. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you guys went all out with the costumes. This yeah, year. I think the costumes is what put it over the edge for us. So uh, this year we were, we started with the idea of doing like 1980s horror movies, right? Um, and so picking a different character from different 80s movies. And then, you know, Carrie is kind of the 70s. And then we have Stranger Things, which is new. So it just kind of became characters from horror movies. I, I think and I saw Leprechaun. I saw, there's yeah. Leprechaun. There's Carrie. There's Malachi from Children of the Corn. We had Jaws. We had yeah. uh, Father Marin from The Exorcist. Ash from... Oh, Evil Dead. Evil sure. Dead, sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then we have the movie posters set up. I mean... Just a cast of characters, you know, Amazing. and everyone's giving me crap about it because they're saying Beetlejuice isn't a horror movie, <laughs> that it's a comedy. I, I'd argue it's both. It's a horror comedy. Yeah. So, yes. So, uh, what uh, what sort of special stuff did you uh, bring to uh, to TAP today? Uh, everybody seems to bring their best of the best. Uh, last year it's we great tried, taste, man, yeah. Last year we tried Artie and Cygnus. That was yep. amazing. Uh, what did you guys bring today? Yep. So, for the special tappings, uh, we have a time schedule. So, it's, you know, 20 black gold. Obviously, we're going to bring those. Peruvian morning, Cassian sunset. And then um, the new, new thing this year is our experimental old-fashioned beers. So, we have, we've been working on this program to, to make an old-fashioned as a beer so it's essentially like an imperial red ale with cherries and oranges and angostura bitters and one of them is aged in orange curacao barrels and the other one is aged in brandy barrels so you can kind of see the differences that the barrels are going to lend to it and then we also brought what honestly i think is one of the the best beers we've ever made is la riviere coulee which is a uh, blonde ale aged in red wine barrels and it's got this flavor profile that's somewhere between Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet, and it's it's wonderful. Um, I really really love that one. And then of course on tap for the whole day, unsettled. Yep. I, I guess. Yep. To, the guess New England IPA. The New England yep. IPA that you said you'd never I'll, brew. I'll say yeah. Or well, maybe you know, I think you said yeah. ten years down the line you might put one on. It felt like ten years. <laughs> it was it was really only like a couple months later. Hey, we were we were brewing it in our on our uh, pilot system and. You know, after trying more and more of them and thinking about it, it's I like them. They're good beers. And I, I think like it them. goes to show how quickly, in, in today's brewing age, how quickly a trend can turn into a style. Yeah, man, you got to be light on your feet in this sort of thing. you got to be able to go whichever direction both the industry and the capabilities and the ingredients take you. And certainly a lot of those newer varieties of hops really lend itself nicely to a style like this. 20 years ago, you wouldn't be able to make a style like this because those hops didn't exist, you know? So it's fun. And, you know, yesterday at, at the um, pre-party at Lucille, guess which the first beer to kick was? Oh, was it the Unsettled? It was Unsettled. Super easy drinking. Yeah. So I think it just goes to show how innovative Central Waters really is. I Thanks, know buddy. I got an opportunity to try the fourth session of Unsettled. It was a fantastic beer. Yeah. I mean, you really guys strive to create the best of that particular style. And so if anyone gets the opportunity to head up to Amherst, obviously you have to stop at Central Waters and uh, try their beers. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, you people will be able to find Unsettled. We're shooting for sometime probably next month. It'll be... Well, this will be the first time we've said it at anything public like this. It'll be the first beer that we release in cans. Oh, a little breaking news for the podcast. Central Waters cans coming to you soon. 
Well, I appreciate you taking a minute out of a very, very busy day here at Great My Day pleasure, to, guys. To My pleasure. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, come on up to the brewery and uh, get a get another little sit-down with you guys. Yeah, I'm very proud of myself. I made it through this interview without swearing. <laughs> well done. Pretty good. Well done. Yep. What does uh, the great taste of the Midwest mean to you? And if you could share a couple of fun stories uh, from over the years at the Fest. Yeah, man. Well, uh, we've, been, we've been coming to this thing since we've been in business, you know? <laughs> We've always strived to have a really cool, cool booth. So I always have the end cap. We set up a, a country western saloon one time. We've done some really, really cool stuff. So we love doing it. It's just fun. It just showcases that this industry is business and pleasure. And today is all about the pleasure. So uh, how about uh, previous years? Uh, any fun beers that you've tried? What, uh, what are some of your favorite memories from uh, Great Taste? Oh, boy. Um, you know, from the points that I remember, <laughs> frankly, it's the night before. Gotcha, you know, the pre-great I mean, taste. It's great to do the great taste pre-parties. I mean, we've been we've been doing them. Um, gosh, when we started doing pre-parties, there was three or four pre-parties in the city. Mm-hmm. Now there's like 60 or 70 oh, or yeah. something ridiculous like count, that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So what's cool is if you didn't get a ticket to the great taste, you can, you can just go to the pre-party and try most of the beers that are going to be showcased today, which is kind of the way that we run that, because not everybody gets a ticket to come here. So the Friday night before, we showcase the same stuff. Yeah, and you guys go all out. Well, we appreciate you taking a minute to uh, talk with us with this hot-ass mask on this hot-ass day. It's no Uh, mask, man. This is for real. (laughs) So thank you guys so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll be stopping by the the booth to try some beer. Sounds good, guys. Cheers. Cheers. That's right. All right, the beer news is in the books, and it is time to move on to our friends from the south down in Illinois. We're going to be talking now with uh, Hailstorm Brewing and uh, some uh, talking about some of their amazing Vlad releases. Uh, we got a couple of Latin-inspired breweries in Five Rabbits and Cruz Blanca. Uh, then uh, on to friends of the show Goose Island, finishing off with Revolution and Off Color. This is a, a fun lineup, a fun portion of our interview series here, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Welcome back. This is Jim at the Great Taste of the Midwest. We're here with Hailstorm from Illinois and Brandon, the head brewer. So, Brandon, what does it mean to you to be here at the Great Taste? Uh, for us, you know, it's a, it's a fest that's a little outside of our uh, distribution zone. So it's kind of cool to get up here and get our beer to some folks that don't normally get it. And then also we've, we've kind of gained a, a following from some folks in Madison that actually come down for almost all of our, our Vlad releases. So it's really cool to be up so- here. How about some of the camaraderie amongst all the brewers? Yeah, that's cool as well. You know, meet some brewers that don't get to hang out with on a regular basis. You know, we have a bunch of brewers from Chicago that are here and know some of the other guys that are from this area, but don't get to see them very often. It's fun to hang out and go out in the evenings. And Great. And what are you pouring today? Uh, we are pouring uh, eight different uh, barrel-aged Vlad variants. We have regular blueberry, raspberry, maple, vanilla, maple and coffee, coffee, and then we have uh, Stratus, it's a uh, uh, New England double IPA, boat drinks, uh, New England double IPA, it's got uh, lactose, coconut, vanilla, and orange. Prairie Madness, uh, that's our 2017 uh, GABF gold medal winner for IPA. Rock Out with my Bach Out, which uh, won silver at GABF in 17 and 15. And then what else do we got over there? Hotel Life American Lager, Hop Farm, which is a uh, hoppy Brett Saison. Our uh, fourth anniversary beer, which is uh, mixed culture uh, Brett beer. 
and uh, Guava Goza. Alex here. So, Brandon, uh, we're here uh, covering the the Great Taste in the Midwest and trying to tell our listeners why this event is so amazing. Can you uh, share a quick story from uh, your previous years here? I think, you know, the the wide variety of breweries that come out to this fest, um, it's probably not a beer style you're not going to find here. Uh, Most people, ourselves included, like to bring out a lot of our specialty beers. And we brought eight different barrel-aged beers this year. And I know there's a lot of breweries that bring some really cool stuff to this fest and the the turnout shows up here is incredible well hey we appreciate you taking a minute to uh, to talk with us sure cheers hey this is jim from the tap takeover podcast we're here with five rabbit cerveceria and we're here with leon one of the brewers so leon what are you pouring today we have our Chicago, our Mexican lager, Crimenes de Pasión, which is our hazy IPA with passion fruit, and La Dama, which is a wild wit with uh, two types of guava, the pink guava and yellow guava. Now, you guys uh, are a little special. Not only are you founded by Randy Mosher, one of the pioneers in home brewing, uh, but you were one of the first Latin-themed uh, breweries. Uh, how has that guided you throughout all the beers you made? So we try to pride ourselves on using Latin ingredients, Latin culture, Latin food, everything. Basically everything south of the border we try to take inspiration from not just Mexico but Central America, South America, the Caribbean and try to turn just everything into a beer. A beer that people will like, a beer that people that will enjoy. Um, we, we really just pride ourselves on bringing that to the beer world and the craft world. And uh, I know this is your first time here at the Great Taste in the Midwest, but what has made it special for you so far? The fact that it is my first time and coming up here for the very first time, I'm happy to see you know so many beer enthusiasts. The fact that other people from other breweries are coming up to our booth and saying, hey, I've heard of you guys. I know you guys. I like your beer. You guys make good stuff. And people from out of state, people that are in states that we don't even distribute to coming up and saying I like what you do keep doing it I like that you're here thank you for being here that that's been the best part for me so far that's excellent well all right well Leon cheers cheers to you man thank you very much It's Jim at the Tap Takeover Podcast, back again at the Great Taste of the Midwest. We're right here with Cruz Blanca, an up-and-coming brewery out of Chicago, and we're here with... Hi, my name is Todd Watt. I'm the assistant brewer at Cruz Blanca in Chicago. What makes your brewery special? Uh, I think it's the Latin American twist on some classic European styles. I don't think a lot of people understand the history of beer in Mexico, and it has some really deep-seated roots with European beer. Uh, beer ends up in Mexico because of a mass immigration of Europeans into Mexico. So we're kind of incorporating these ideas of historical styles with some interesting Latin American twists and some quality ingredients. Great, and what are you pouring today here at The Great Taste? Today we actually have four of my favorite beers, which is super fun. Uh, I've got the Gringo Honeymoon, which is a uh, hibiscus and passion fruit lager. I've got a Brut IPA, uh, that's a style we've just started playing with in the brewery and we're having a lot of success with. I've got a Chardonnay barrel-aged pineapple saison called Asian Pina. It arguably is probably my favorite beer coming out of our brewery right now. And the first time that we've been able to do some Chardonnay barrel-aging. And last but not least, 
release, we've got one of our barrel-aged stouts, uh, the Ray Gordo. This one's actually done with an infusion of toasted pecans, toasted cinnamon, and toasted coconut. Uh, and the barrel-aging profile of this is brandy, whiskey, and rum all blended together. And as a brewer, what have you enjoyed most uh, at The Great Taste? First and foremost, we are a rookie this year. This is our first time being here. Uh, the camaraderie is the thing that's really blown me away. This has been nothing short of the most hospitable uh, festival that I've ever been to in America. As an Australian living in this country now, I just think that is absolutely beautiful and something I wish I could take home with me. But it's a beautiful day. The beers are cold, the smiles are warm, and I can't really ask for much more than that. That's fantastic. Well, cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much, man. So, Alex here from the uh, Tap Takeover podcast, and a uh, special guest here uh, with me, Mike Zeller from Porch Drinking. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. And uh, we're standing here speaking with uh, the folks at Goose Island, friends of the show. Uh, we had you guys on not too uh, long ago, uh, just at the at, uh, beginning of the year. Uh, really happy to have you guys back on. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the fest today? What, uh, what sort of fun stuff are you guys pouring, and uh, what kind of fun stuff can we expect from the brewery? Uh, so we're here uh, at the Great Taste of the Midwest, pouring all sorts of BCS variants. Uh, we're going to do some time tappings all day today, so we're going to start with Templeton Rye. We got Northwoods, which was uh, last year's blueberry almond extract uh, combination of BCS. We have BCS coffee, we have the 2017 prop, uh, and then 15 rare uh, going on later. So like every hour-ish, we'll be tapping a new version of Bourbon County. And then all day, we'll, we'll have um, our Next Coast IPA pouring, which is kind of our new uh, IPA that we're rolling out now. It's kind of an awesome kind of West Coast tropical dank uh, hop combination. Super dry, nice and, uh, nice and clean, scary, scary easy to drink. Uh, so have a couple of those as well in between your BCS runs. How do you guys decide what beers to bring to a festival like this? Uh, you know, we have a whole stable of like specialty beers uh, that we keep back for some of these festivals specifically. So like the Templeton Rye BCS, you know, that's a 2013 beer. So we want to make sure that we hold some back for the, for the important festivals. And Great Taste of the Midwest is definitely one of those festivals. It's close to home. You know, it showcases a lot of the Midwest breweries. And we want to make sure that we bring the good stuff to these kind of festivals. We're also rolling right into BCS season. So it's maybe, you know, 90 degrees, you know, in the middle of August doesn't necessarily scream stout weather. But, uh, but when you get a chance, to, to f try five or six of them all in the same place, it's it's kind of a no-brainer for us to kind of bring a nice swath of BCS variants. So, uh, Quinn, when we talked to you, uh, the uh, Prop 17 had just come out, the Bananas Foster, yeah. you're kind of the mastermind behind that one. Uh, great response. And uh, today we have the mastermind behind another uh, new variant coming out, the uh, the Chocolate Orange. Yeah, so uh, Oscar, as one of two brewers that came up with the Chocolate Orange, they kind of pitched similar ideas when we went through our normal like curation process of exploring BCS variants. So Oscar and Paul have kind of worked together to fine tune that chocolate orange variant. So Oscar, you want to talk about kind of where the idea came from and like what kind of flavors we can look for? Yeah, you know what, uh, Paul and I, uh, we presented very similar taste profiles for the orange chocolate. Uh, my inspiration was I was out in the Yucatan and I was having a orange chocolate mocha one afternoon and, and the flavor profile on that was, was excellent. I brought back uh, cacao from Mexico so I could propose my, uh, my variant and I used some orange zest and, and uh, kind of worked on that for a little bit. And Paul did very similar things as well. He was more like cocoa nibs and orange zest as well. So very similar. Our R&D team paired us together and, and uh, we worked on it. And like I said, uh, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Uh, 
as much as we enjoyed making it. It was kind of cool because we saw a lot of different orange variants this year as we went through our like initial idea creation process. Uh, and so that, that almost like, you know, challenged these guys to make the best version of the orange variants. And it did turn out that, you know, that combination with chocolate and the orange peel was, was the one that really hit a home run for us. So I'm excited for that one. And it's the kind of thing where it's, again, it pushes the boundaries of what you can put in a stout. You know, last year banana was was the weird one, and everyone kind of poo-pooed it for a while, and then they drank it, and it turned out okay. And I think the orange is, is another kind of boundary-pushing type of ingredient, and the way that we're using it, and the way that we're infusing it, it's a really good, it's a really good beer. So I'm excited well, for it. Can't wait for uh, for BCS season coming yeah. up. And uh, we just wanted to get a quick word about uh, the great taste of the Midwest. You guys have been coming for years. Uh, do you have any uh, fun stories, any favorite memories that you could uh, share with us? Oh man, so I've been at Goose since 2013, coming up here just about every year. Uh, and it's kind of like the festival that we look forward to, especially during a swath of like very busy summer festivals. It's the people, it's the location. Olin Park is a beautiful setting. It's a well-run you know festival every year. Uh, and also you get to see all the Midwest breweries, our friends, compatriots, people that we're brewing beer with and, and trying all their beers. We get we get to try all our local friends in, in one spot. So uh, it's also cool to see all the different setups, like all the big breweries um, kind of bring their, their A game when it comes to what beers they're bringing, what kind of setups they have. You know, we've had different themes every year. So it's always fun to see what everyone brings. Uh, this is my first time actually coming out here. So oh, awesome. this, this has uh, been so far, it's been a great experience, a great day, great weather. And I'm looking forward to trying a whole uh, different swath of, of beers that I have not tried or seen before, so this is going to be great. Right. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for uh, taking all the time for us. Thanks, guys. Jim from the Tap Takeover Podcast here at the Great Taste of the Midwest. We're sitting here with Nick from Revolution Brewing in the Revolution Beer Lounge. Uh, it's pretty fantastic setup you got. Yeah, uh, we like to be comfortable, and we kind of assume everyone else needs to get out of this 90-degree heat that we're having. little camp setup. This inflatable furniture is killer this year, though. So you've got a tremendous booth here. Uh, what are you pouring? So we brought 12 different beers with us today. So this is actually the first market to get Oktoberfest. So we're releasing Oktoberfest here. Uh, we also brought a bunch of our new sours that we're doing. So we just started canning Freedom of Speech. We've got a couple variants of that. So we've got the Freedom of Simplicity, which is just the base sour. We've got Freedom of Expression, which is strawberry rhubarb. And we've got Freedom of Equality, which is pomegranate, actually. So those are, well, we're kind of dipping our toes a little bit deeper into that sour game. We've got Cross of Gold, which is our gold nail. We brought a couple different IPAs. So we brought Anti-Hero, which, again, everybody knows that's our go-to. But we also have Citra Hero and Tropic Hero, which is one of our little single hop varieties that we can uh, throughout the year. But then we have the two timed releases that we're doing today. So at 2 o'clock, we're releasing Deeth by Currents, which was our one popular vote. We're going to end up canning that later this year. And then at 4 o'clock, we're doing Double Barrel VSOJ Cherry Rye, which is a fan favorite that we've had in our tap room at a couple releases that we decided to share with the, uh, the public up here. Two absolutely tremendous beers. Very special, very rare, hard to get. Uh, as you as a brewer, when you come here, what do you look forward to? Uh, I look forward to just, uh, I mean, I get to meet a lot of people from breweries that I've only been able to like, see in stores or just hear about on certain websites. I actually get to meet them and actually try some of the stuff they're doing. And I mean, I get to meet the great people that come all the way out from all over the Midwest to come to this festival. I haven't, this is one of the nicest fests I've ever been to. Like, no one's in a bad mood. It's great. So yeah, just kind of getting to know other people and trying some uh, great beers that I might not have been able to try. Well, thank you very much, Nick. Appreciate it. It's Jim and Nick from the Great Taste of the Midwest. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. 
Jim with the Tap Takeover Podcast, and we're here at the Great Taste of the Midwest with Off Color out of Chicago. Uh, we're here with Sassy. <laughs> uh, first of all, how long have you been coming to the Great Taste, and what does it mean to you? We've been, uh, Off Color's been coming to the Great Taste for about five years now. Uh, what the Great Taste means to us is everything. It's uh, one of the best festivals in the country, run by home brewers uh, out of Madison, Wisconsin. Um, we, we, we started our brewery just from home brewing for fun, and uh, so we, we appreciate uh, all the hard work and dedication that goes into this festival. Um, yeah, we love coming here every year. It's an honor. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys uh, are making some incredible incredibly inventive, huge variety of beers. One of the ones I really want to talk about is a special collaboration you did with Miller Brewing Company called Eek. Now, you're probably the only craft brewer that's done a collaboration with a macro brewery. How'd that come about? Over a lot of drinks uh, with our good friend that works at Miller Coors, we were able to convince her to set up meetings uh, to see if we could work with them on uh, collaborating on a, on a beer. Uh, brewing is a lot of fun, no matter what scale or size, uh, and we just wanted to have fun doing it. So that's kind of how uh, Econa came to be. So Great. And uh, if our listeners wanted to come get a taste at your tap room, where, where can they find you? We're located in uh, Lincoln Park in Chicago at 1460. North Kingsbury. We opened about uh, eight months ago, so it's a lot of fun. And how many beers are you pouring here today? We have 23 beers that we're pouring, plus a sake that we make. Yeah, we're the 12th licensed sake producer in the United States. So we're producing sake for our tap room, and we have some bottles of it that we're going to crack open uh, later this afternoon. That's really amazing. Everyone's got to go check out Off Color when you get a chance. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much. All right, that was a fun little trip through Illinois. And uh, we just want to thank you for joining us for this uh, this really fun episode. This was fun to put together. It was fun to record. A lot of thanks to our video crew. Uh, we're going to have video coming out next week of uh, some of these interviews, uh, some snippets. You know, just a lot of people talking about uh, the great taste of the Midwest and what it means to them. I, I think that's a theme that you, I hope you picked up uh, from our coverage of the event. So we wanted to talk to the breweries, but we really wanted to make the focus of this entire episode on the great taste of the Midwest the organizers, the uh, the volunteers, that army of volunteers that we talk about that just make everything so much easier for everybody involved. We had a blast covering this event, and uh, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to our coverage of the event. Uh, we're going to be going now into Fred's Corner, uh, the fun little corner that he put together for uh, for he and his wife for their anniversary. You know, some of his favorite brewers, some of some of the folks who have been coming up to the festival for for the longest time, and we really hope that you enjoy it. Uh, to do a little housekeeping here uh, to tell you a little bit about the podcast and, and what, what we're doing going forward. Uh, we've got that Pulpit Rock interview that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. We've got a, a fun little contest going, uh, a video contest. Uh, we've got the full lineup of, of Imperial Smells Like Bean Spirit from Microphone Brewing, and we're going to be picking two lucky listeners to join us for a live tasting. That's going to be quite the event. 
We encourage you to keep listening. Uh, check us out. We're on Facebook. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. So uh, check us out. Check out our previous episodes. And if you have any feedback, if you have any suggestions for breweries that you'd like to see us uh, check out, if, if you have a local brewery that's your favorite that uh, people might not know about right now and you want to you hear more from them or more about them or get the word out, uh, send, us, uh, send us some information at Tap Takeover Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com, and uh, we'll do the legwork. We'll go check them out and uh, bring the news back. So that's going to do it for us. So for me, for Alex, uh, we're going to wrap it up here with Fred's Corner, and uh, that'll do it for the Tap Takeover Podcast at The Great Taste of the Midwest. Thank you for joining us. All right, Alex here with the Tap Takeover Podcast, here with Andy and... Kevin. And Kevin from uh, Red Eye Brewing. Fred uh, definitely wanted us to come by, stop mm-hmm. by, and, uh, and talk to you guys about uh, kind of your, your, your beer story. What, uh, what can you tell us about your brewery and uh, what brought you guys here today? I started my career in Kansas um, over 20 years ago when I rented a Jeep Cherokee because my car wouldn't make it up. And uh, threw five half barrels in and drove it up uh, more than 20 years. I was the first brewer from the state of Kansas to ever come to the beer fest. So, oh, that's incredible. Um, but we opened in uh, 2008, and this will be year 10 for us. So Wow. So uh, what, uh, what can our uh, listeners expect to find here today? What uh, would you bring to pour? Uh, Ten different beers. Uh, we've just started embarking on some kettle sours this year. So we have a, a lemon meringue pie kettle sour, nice. um, raspberry sour, also brought an unfiltered Vienna beer, um, 10-year anniversary porter with raspberries and chocolate. Cool. That yeah. sounds like fun. Yeah. All right, uh, how about uh, any fun stories? You've been coming for 10 years. Uh, what are some of your favorite stories from the from the event? Oh, probably my most memorable uh, year, probably twice this happened when we just got dumped on with rain and uh, right behind you guys there on the hill became a uh, nice s- slip and slide full of mud uh, <laughs> until the local authorities uh, showed up and shut it down. Um, but that, that's, that's fun to watch. Oh, that's amazing. This year we won't have that though. And can you tell us, uh, you know, for for all the volunteers that are here today, I, what sets this event apart from uh, from other beer fests that you guys do in a year? Yeah, these guys, I tell you, they've been at it so long, second longest running beer fest in the United States, and um, every year you pull up and you're treated so well. You know, you, you show up and all your stuff's unloaded and at your booth, and the, the beer shows up, and um, you show up, and the first thing they say to you is, welcome back, or welcome home. All right, well, welcome home, and yeah. uh, we hope to uh, grab some beer from you in yeah, a bit. you bet. Appreciate awesome. It. Thanks for stopping. All right, we're here at the Great Taste of the Midwest at the Tap Taver Podcast. We're here with Bill from Blind Pig. So, Bill, what does it mean for you to be here at the Great Taste? Uh, it means the world. Uh, this is our favorite beer festival uh, of all time. We, it's our the only one festival that we absolutely make sure that we insist we go to every year. There's no other better festival anywhere in the country. I've been to thousands of them, and this is the very best one. All right, uh, where are you located, and what are you pouring today? We're in Champaign, Illinois. Um, I've been pouring beer at this festival since 1992, so I'm a veteran. I, you know, uh, today we brought eight selections with us. We have uh, quite a wide variety: a couple of sours, uh, a couple of IPAs, um, some fruit beers, some barrel-aged stuff. You know, quite the big, big range of beers. Wow, 92—that's a really long time. Yep. Uh, any great stories that you'd like to tell? 
Well, there used to be a dunk tank, and you'd see a few brewers go in the dunk tank. That was always a lot of fun. Um, yeah, uh, one year, Bells, the Bells guys took a whole bunch of old beat-up kegs that were not useful anymore but still held pressure, and they laid them down and, made, and welded them together in a big platform. There in Michigan, they took the, they took the thing down to the you know whatever authority licenses watercraft, and they got a license for this thing as a boat. <laughs> they hauled it over here on a on a trailer, and they launched it from across the lake and sailed it up to the beach here. <laughs> that was pretty spectacular. Wow, that's yeah. pretty amazing. And uh, what is all the volunteers and all the hard work that Great Tastes? Uh, how do you feel treated here? Uh, I think it's great. You know, it, this this festival. I've thought about it for years. Why is the Great Taste so amazing? And I think the reason is they it's it's kind of short. So the brewers who are pouring beer, they don't get overworked. They don't get worn out. It's not like three days of 12 hours of pouring or something nonsense like that. So, you know, you go around to the booths and 80% of them, there's somebody who made the beer right there that you can talk to. You can ask them what kind of hops they used or what kind of yeast they use and that sort of thing. But then on top of that, this festival has been running for 30 years now plus, And it seems to me that every time there's a question of, well, should we do this or should we do that? How should we, you know, when they have an option or a choice to make, it's always about what's more fun. What's going to make this festival even better it's never about how can we make more money it's not a big money making thing they're not trying to run it like i say like 36 hours and bring in as much revenue as they possibly can and i think that 30 years of optimizing on fun just makes it the best festival it could possibly be all right well thank you so much appreciate it and have a great fest cheers thanks a lot cheers Alex here from the Tap Takeover Podcast, and we are uh, finishing up the event. This is going to be our last interview of the day, but this is a really special one. This is one that Fred, one of the organizers of the event, told us we absolutely needed to get. We needed to get the story of Schlafly and Great Taste in the Midwest, because it's a long story. And I think the best person we could get that with... Stephen Hale, Schlafly Beer, St. Louis. So, Stephen, please tell us a little bit about your experience with the Great Taste in the Midwest and what this event has meant for your brewery. Uh, do we have a couple of hours? Because I really want to shower everybody with a bunch of accolades for why we are so happy to be here and do this event after so many years. The St. Louis Brewery opened as the St. Louis Brewery in December 91, when there were 312 breweries in this country. Come August 93, we got an invitation to this festival in an area where we don't distribute beer. At the time, we didn't even distribute beer outside the confines of the Schlafly Taproom at 2100 Locust Street. But we piled in the truck, the 1990 Ford F-150, that I still drive today, every week, for my wife's local food business. And we drove up here with a couple kegs of beer, and at Olin Terrace across the lake here, we set up shop with the other 25 or 30 breweries and served Schlafly beer. We were known as St. Louis in the program guides because we weren't known as Schlafly beer then. We didn't uh, bottle or can or distribute. We would, a month later, start to distribute the beer. But we thought it was a great escape from the heat of St. Louis summer and a nice treat to share beer with people, not directly in our market, but a lot of people travel to Madison and a lot of people from Madison and travel to the St. Louis region. So it was a good idea to come up here and and, uh, and share the beer with everybody. Well, I think that answers Fred's question because he really wanted to know why a brewery that was never going to distribute in Madison would come to Madison 
Fred is here to, to ask that question himself. On cue. But why would, uh, why would you guys even show up in Madison, and why would you guys keep coming for so many years? And I think it speaks a lot to the professionalism of the volunteers at the, uh, the Great Taste of the Midwest and uh, the organizers as well. Alex, you know I'm going to give you the long answer. But I'm going to start with the short one. Hashtag love fest. I will elaborate on that. Since 93, when we first set up shop over there, for the last two years of the Great Taste on, the Olin, on Olin Terrace, when it moved here in 95, our third year, we realized what a great location it was. Again, a nice escape from the heat of St. Louis. But the way brewers are treated when they get here. Does anyone have any Kleenex? Because I'm going to really start <laughs> crying a lot here. The way brewers are treated, not being forced to do this or that or jump through hoops, except that, uh, hello, state of Wisconsin, we'll do whatever you ask. There, that's paperwork. A that's a weird world. Absolutely. Fred is here, too. Thank goodness. The paperwork is required, but all we have to do is bring our beer, our people, set up camp, throw up our tents, put the beer uh, on tap, and serve it to people. And again, we're one of the few breweries that do not distribute in the state of Wisconsin. We serve our beer here on the second Saturday in August in Olin Turville Park here on the sh <laughs> uh, shores of beautiful Lake Monona. Sorry, I'm not a local. I thought it might be Mendota. Sure. Not a local. And you cannot beat the view. But really, it is all about the love fest that we get with the Madison Homebrewers, hashtag MHTG. Madison Homebrewers and Tasters Guild, the way they treat and welcome us. A couple of, here's an example. A couple of years ago, the new greeting when we got to Madison became Welcome Home. And we had realized that We talked that about that years. with Fred in the uh, the opening episode to, uh, to our experience here about, yeah, what it, what it means to be welcomed home so, into a festival. Well, we realized that for years before without having put those words to it. But that when they put those words to it, of course, we all started sobbing uncontrollably with joy and grief and happiness of, uh, no, no grief, lots of happiness of what the event has become. It's grown, of course, but they've controlled it well. And oh my God, it's, it's not indoors. It occasionally rains. It's uh, in a park overlooking, how much better can you get? Uh, I haven't been to all the beer festivals in this country, but I put it up against <laughs> all the best beer festivals in this country. I would. That's high I praise. definitely would. So, I, I mean, one of the beautiful things about uh, Great Taste in the Midwest is the timing. Things just seem to work out. You end up at the right tent at the right time for the right tapping. And we just happen to have a perfect timing moment where Fred's walking by while I'm uh, interviewing you. So, Fred, uh, wh what would you like to ask? I love the fact that there is uh, there are brewers, and Schlafly is one of those where I can, because it's my anniversary weekend, I can, for my wife's anniversary and my anniversary, line up on one side of the tent the people that are my favorite people in the world. And I can start with Schlafly, and I can run all the way down. But the bottom line is that it doesn't stop at the end of that tent. It goes around to the other side of the tent. It circles to the 100 tent. But what Beth and I love is when we can actually spend a little bit more time, get behind the table, you know, actually sit down with some actually cogent moments and have a conversation. That's what I love. When we can actually stop for two minutes and say, thank you for being here. We know that this isn't 
marketing for you, but it's a it's an endeavor of beer, it's an endeavor of love, and that's what we really try to what we inspire and we hope to be that. I, I think that's the way uh, that was the cold open on our uh, our first episode, talking about how this is Christmas Day and we're gonna have some beers, we're gonna have some conversations, yep. we're gonna really sit down and talk about the fun stuff. So, uh, tell us about what you brought to uh, to try today. What uh, what were you tapping? What uh, what sort of amazing beers do you bring for uh, Great Taste? The variant. Big complicated beer aged in red wine barrels. Yeah, that's the one I started at for the interview, but then I realized if I was going to be on uh, <laughs> video, I might want to drink a white lager and tout the uh, attributes of the white lager mm-hmm. year-round. Very drinkable. Up, oh, cheers, yes, white yeah. lager. Cheers, guys. Yep. Salute. And uh, mm. I'm, I'm drinking the pumpkin beer because mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jesus could not be here today. He's the, uh, the fourth member of our podcast. Every time we bring up Schlafly, uh, Jesus has a massive erection. So huge, huge fan. Uh, and we, uh, we subjected Andy, another member of the podcast, to the pumpkin episode mm-hmm. where we, uh, we had the Schlafly pumpkin. It's one of my favorites. Is, uh, Thank you. It's a really good pumpkin beer. Andy, it was a subjection. We, we really put him to his faces. Not a fan of pumpkin beers. <laughs> I agree with Andy to the degree of may not have multiple pints of it, but it is a great beer for the season. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big fan of mixing 20% pumpkin and 80% Schlafly oatmeal stout together. Brilliant combination. We did it out of desperation a few years ago at a festival, and it became the pumpkin stout in later years. I got to say, Fred mentioned something earlier. I got to jump in. Yeah, yeah, jump in. Cogent moments. (laughs) Well done, Fred. Yes. So at 4.30, oh my, we're winding down on the uh, timetable of the festival. Cogent moments are increasingly rare later at the uh, Great Taste, but it's totally worth being here at any time. And And we'll send a crew of eight people up here, 360 miles for two nights in a place where we don't distribute beer because of the hashtag Lovefest. And I'll tell you what, that's one question that we've been asking everybody that we've interviewed today. What are some of your favorite moments from uh, from previous fests? What have been some of the moments that keep you coming back? Skinny dipping in this lake after an early <laughs> festival. <laughs> no video, no cell phones back then. Yeah, there wasn't. My thing is that uh, when you can actually bring people around and they are like, our big thing is that we come here because we see each other. And it becomes a trade show. And Steven says, I see people once a year. And I see them here. And it's not that I see them in Missouri or it's not that I see them in Nebraska. I see people once a time. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make this a trade show for brewers. And we open up two hours beforehand, not in a ticketed event, but for the fact that people can walk around and just literally free pour each other's beer. And the bottom line is, I can do that, you did that, and I can come back two hours later and say, you know, you weren't here when I tried your beer, but let's have a conversation about that. How did you actually knock that out? So that's one of the things that I love, is that we've become a little bit of a trade show for brewers, and it's the one time a year that maybe they see each other. Not everybody uh, throws beers at the GABF. Not everybody goes to every beer festival in their state, but people come here. And what we're trying to do for the first two hours is we're letting them have a little time to be with each other, spend a little time, have some sank moments, and then say, oh my God, how did that happen? Let's have a conversation. I love that part of it. I can't say it any better, so I think I'm just going to wrap it up. That, oh, uh, I'll add, can I add one oh, more thing? Please do. Sorry, please do. microphone, beer, people, all that. I don't think my wife would be very happy if I 
got in the car and drove 300 miles to Baumgartner's in Monroe to get a Limburger sandwich. Maybe there's one closer in St. Louis. I don't know about, about it, but it's on the way here. So I'll buy Fred a sandwich. I'll have one there with a Ham's beer, and then we'll come up here and have a few more. Limburger. If you haven't tried it, people, you got to do it. <laughs> well, hey, thank you guys so much for taking a little time in this busy, busy day uh, to uh, just take a moment to, uh, you know, reflect on this amazing sure. festival. And uh, thanks again to every single volunteer out there, the entire army of volunteers that you guys have put together. Every single person that we've talked to today has talked about what an easy experience that this has been for them as pourers. Uh, I, I, it's just incredible. It's really incredible what you guys have put together here. Well, thanks. I mean, it takes an army of uh, hundreds to be able to knock this out. And, you know, our big thing is if the brewers put their beer on their truck when they leave their place, I don't want them to touch it until their kegs are empty and going home at 6 o'clock. So that's okay. our big thing. Well, and Fred hey. looks great in a red dress. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers, yeah. guys. And, uh, Cheers. Yeah. Salute to everybody. It's been a solid thanks, you guys. For the production. And thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. No said there's no